The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Great Britain's Lauren Steadman took a silver medal at the Paralympics in Rio in paratriathlon in the PT4 category. She's also starred on one of the biggest TV shows in the UK, Strictly Come Dancing, where she was amazing, and also showed just how tough she really was on the show SAS, Are You Tough Enough? Spoiler alert, she was tough enough. Now she's packing her bags for Tokyo 2020. So Lauren, great to have you with us. How are things? How are preparations going? Yes, it is all okay. <laughs> um, I actually think, touch wood, uh, I've got no injuries. I'm in a really good place. And as my coach would say now, it's just about fine tuning and making sure I stay injury free, not doing too much, not doing too little. Uh, that's kind of in his his realm to sort that out. I just deliver the daily products. Um, and yeah, just getting everything ready that, you know, I need to go upstairs. I still haven't gone through all of the, the beautiful GB kit upstairs and sort of sort out what I need and get everything ready like on my bikes and stuff. So it's kind of in that exciting logistical phase. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's actually been a solid six months for me. I was in Lanzarote and the weather was lovely. Um, but yeah, so no, it's gone really well. Good. I'm glad to hear it. And it's, yeah, I like that bit of fiddling with all the stuff pre-race. It's quite, before you get in on the plane, it's kind of like... Yeah, my dad's like, not entirely impressed though, because literally his garage just is full of all the things I've had delivered. <laughs> He's like, what? what? It's not my garage anymore. I was like, sorry. Um, but yes, there's like two bikes in, well, three of my bikes in there, the boxes and just, oh, it's tremendous. But um. Yeah, it's having to think outside the box a little bit for this travel again, just because there's so many things, like even down to the smallest things, like taking a kettle and a pressure cooker purely based on what you're in your room and then you can't eat. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's all these things that normally you just wouldn't pack. So, yeah, it's been intense. Top tips, pressure cooker. hadn't thought of that one, but yeah, I guess that's, yeah, you're going to be absolutely fine quarantined with that. Um, I want to cast your mind back, and I'm sorry for doing this in some ways, but um, the silver from Rio 2016, and um, it was an incredible performance, albeit with a little bit of an asterisk. Um, so how often do you think about what happened? Does that something that weighs heavily on your mind or was it something that you really learned a big lesson from? I think you hit the nail on the head there with, I learned a big lesson. It took me a while to sift my way through what the lesson was and how to deal with it. I did post Rio, like step back from sport and I found myself quite frustrated and angry um, well, for those that don't know, I swam the wrong way. Uh, we didn't do the swim recce because the water, the you know, was it was pretty dirty. So I didn't want to then get ill overnight. But in hindsight, wish I had swum it now. Um, it cost me. It cost me the gold. So I was really, really, really disappointed. But at the same time, I was proud because it was my first Paralympic medal, which was silver. And that I can remember that moment right down to the sea when the canoes were there and they came across and said, you need to go past that boy on your right shoulder. And I can remember not, I looked across and I was like, oh no, but I didn't panic. And I probably swam the fastest swim of my whole career. And I got back into second place by the end of the swim. 
Um, I pretty much cooked myself in that swim, which is why I couldn't hold the back end. Um, but got out onto the bike, knew that I potentially lost my gold medal because I needed that back then. I needed my swim to help me with the run. Um, and I can remember the moment when Grace, she ran past me on the run when um, we crossed the line and I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty disappointed. And we had no cameras out on the sea swim at that point. So no one had really understood what had gone on. They'd expected me to come out first and I hadn't. And it was only when Grace said in front of everyone, yes, yeah, she swung the wrong way. I was like, thanks, Grace. <laughs> um, but yeah, since then, I've done every swim recce and I, I learned a lot. I was also very, very nervous at that Games, beyond measure, really, really nervous. So this time going in, I've got a totally different mindset um, and I'm doing the swim recce. <laughs> um, and I guess I've read you say this uh, and everyone says about it, the process being the key and everything you know, else is just kind of what happens. But I guess the goal will always be a gold medal for you going in. You like winning, right? <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> I I actually think that the gold medal would be probably second on my objectives this time in that, yes, I want to bring home the gold. Um, I'm definitely within the position to bring it home. I've got to have a flawless race because the girls are fearless. Um, but last time I got myself into such a state emotionally before the race that, you know, I was dreading it. Whereas this time I've had discussions with my coach. I want to love my race. I want to enjoy this process. I may not make the next Paralympics. I might not qualify. So actually I want to enjoy wearing the kit, the process of flying out with a team, racing on the biggest stage there is in the Paralympics. And that for me is what I'm holding highest is actually as I am in the world of pain in the race, to embrace every single aspect and love what I'm doing. Because I think that should actually be the reason as to why every athlete does what they do. Um, and, and then if, if the results fall the way I have, the way I want them to and the way I, you know, I've trained for, well, that will just be the cherry on top. Um, but yeah, first priority for, I think for me is to, is to love what I do. I think that's so like, on message at the moment as well with like kind of everybody talking about mental health coming first and then maybe everything else then might happen afterwards and that's the uh that's the important thing yeah i think the biggest thing for me is, is seeing that especially in some sports ways point something of a second that defines the top three just because that person got silver or bronze they were like, it could have just equally gone the other way. So just because they didn't get it doesn't mean that their performance wasn't as, you know, phenomenal and, and, and athletic as it as it could have been. Um, so I actually think you should just celebrate it if you come first, eighth, ninth. I just think it's fantastic. Well, hopefully I'm, I've established I'm not completely crazy, but I do consider you like a part of my, my uh, wider family um, because you've been on so many of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> Basically, like Strictly is like the thing, you know, in our fam wider family, it is like a big deal. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we, we know all about it and we talk all about it and there is literally everyone is so opinionated, you know, from grandma down to, you know, everyone has got an opinion. Yeah. So it was amazing to see you on that and amazing to see you out of your comfort zone. And then also, 
the SAS, are you tough enough? Are you kidding me? I absolutely love that. Love all the mindset stuff. How much did you learn from those things? Get, like getting out of your comfort zone in Strictly and also learning about yourself and the mentality stuff in, in the SAS stuff? Both were the two extremes. You know, one's glittery, glamorous, and then the other one is just like, not that. Um, and I think it would be very easy for everyone to assume that SAS was harder, but SAS was like, nine days jam-packed whereas strictly i was there for 16 weeks and it was every single week and it was the toughest physical thing like i mean my legs go generally just in a this plane they're just like backwards and forwards and then all of a sudden there comes an argentine tango and i've got to stick my leg out to the side and i realize i'm not that strong when it goes out to the side um so each of them definitely put me in in zones that I wasn't used to. And that was probably the reason I did them was I wanted a challenge that was outside the realm of sport. Uh, Strictly itself, it was wonderful to be exceptionally glitzy and glamorous because I don't get to do that when I'm swimming, biking and running. Um, so that was really great. I had a great partner who we actually challenged each other. We weren't all like always, you know, he'd say something and I'd be like, oh, no, I don't think so. And then I'd say something, he'd be like, no, I don't think so. So together we we got better because he would be like, I don't think we can do that lift. And I was like, yes, we can. And like, we just always, you know, did things that just pushed us. Um, and he was, you know, it was great to be on there. And I think the BBC did a fantastic job of helping me spread the message of, you know, I've got an arm missing, but I've just flung myself around AJ's head. Like you guys can do anything. And I had some beautiful messages, especially from parents with younger children, just saying, you know, my kids are watching you and, they're going, mum, I want to be like Laura and I want to do this. And if I just made one kid go out there and believe in himself or herself, fantastic. Um, and then I think on SAS, well, I loved it because it was obviously, you know, entering the world of pain. And I, I realized actually how much I enjoy being in pain. Um, but for me, it was a case of, I knew I had the, the physical capabilities, but I just said to and like, you know, can't hang from anything. Like if there's monkey bars, I mean, that's just a no-go straight out. Um, but they were really great in still pushing me, challenging me. Um, and it was great to just be with loads of other people that were trying to do their best as well. Um, made some absolute friends for life. And whilst you think we were always in pain, we were. But it was fantastic not having your phone for a week because we actually got to know each other and we spoke to each other and we shared our horrible stories or like Yasmin's toenails falling off. Like, you know, it was just so many, so many things that you just don't do in normal life. Um, and yes, mentally, well, it showed me that actually mentally like, it's very hard to, to break me. Um, so, yeah, I was I was really chuffed coming out of that. Yeah, you did amazing. In both, you did amazingly well. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't realise that the SAS thing was only nine days, but it seems like it goes on for about a million years, obviously. I think it's the lack of sleep. Like They don't show you that they keep us awake all night because you have to do a tower watch and you're like, oh, rabbit moved. Oh, car headlights, northeast. Like, And you're there for two hours and you're just like, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> awesome i love it and uh you've done you obviously you're you're clever clogs as well you've done your master's in business you're studying for a phd right and uh you've got a degree in psychology i anyway i wanted to ask you about some like mental like tips and cues that have helped you out because i think especially in the sas thing what stood out for me was the way that you would be able you were able to reset yourself quite quickly from things that 
and I think I guess what happened in Rio is is evidence of it as well. Like, okay, it's gone bad. It's gone really bad sometimes. Like, how do I how do I reset? Oh, it's difficult. And I I'd like to say that perhaps I've gained some knowledge from doing my degrees in psychology and then also just life experiences. And actually, that's where I sort of said earlier that whilst what happened in Rio was devastating. I did learn so much and I learned a lot about myself, as you said on, on SAS as well, you know, there were things that were thrown at me that actually didn't go very well. And then at some point I got really upset, but the one thing I've learned, especially in the world of sport is you will have good days. You will have bad days. And the most, mostly with athletes, you train really, really hard. And what you see happen is your performance goes down because your body's tired, you're fatigued, but there's a point at which it could take one week, it could take two, it could take three weeks. Suddenly the graph goes back up again. But then you always see those ones, people are like, oh, progress isn't like this, it's like this. And it really is. So I've learned that actually, no matter how you feel, clean state, start again, because you just don't know how your body's going to respond. And it's the same in racing. Like I can feel awful in warm up and then have a fantastic race, or I can feel fantastic in warm up and then it goes totally wrong in the race. Like, so just actually go in with an open mindset. And the one thing I probably learned post Rio, two things, control the controllables. The only thing you can actually control is your own attitude, your own mindset, your own get-go. You can't control weather. You can't control things like having a puncture, other competitors, other people around you. So do what you need to do to be in the perfect position yourself. And then work-life balance is something I didn't quite have right before whereas now I've realized what it is that makes me happy what makes me tick so that I have a balance outside of when I'm training that then makes me happy and energized to train so it's kind of like and I think that's what everyone's learned in this last year with lockdowns and stuff is finding new hobbies finding new things or the fact that the UK's run out of bike supply like everyone's learned to do the bikes or bought a treadmill like invest in yourself because at the end of the day working is all great but you've got to do things that I guess top up your battery so you've got more battery for other things wholeheartedly agree I just started doing some proper like deadlifting you know like proper doing it for like for real and uh it may it's made such a thing I feel like I can jump up on top of things now whereas before exactly it has made it it makes a difference and it just gives your mind a bit of a reset I mean I was gonna ask um like you've done so well everything that you've done you've kind of excelled at what would be kind of the future things that you're you're looking at and would you be tempted to do an iron an iron man <laughs> no nah, that's a funny question an iron man well actually i watched my first one in lanzarote about a month ago and they were all running onto the marathon it was about 36 degrees and i just wanted to get a little blankie and cuddle them all because i thought what are you doing this looks so painful i mean i know i swim bike run but it was windy it was hot um I think it will be on the bucket list. It won't be anytime soon. I think I might save it for about 10 years time when I you know, do something else. Um, but yes, I'd like to do one when I do one. I don't know. Just, I think, to say that I have done one. Um, but I think post games, it's going to be a new chapter because I actually have a blank book. I have no plans. I have currently I'm homeless because I'm back at my parents because I've up to move where I was for nine years in Portsmouth I went to Lanzarote to train with my coach so it will literally be sit down a blank piece of paper and decide what I want to do next you mentioned PhD 
I would love to go and do a PhD, potentially medical school to psychiatry or psychology and become registered. I love helping people. And like you said, mindset is everything at the moment. And if I've got something that actually I can share with people and it's going to help them get through hardship or just give them the courage that they want to do something outside their comfort zone, that's what I'd love to do. Um, and I've, I did set up a mental wellbeing company that at the moment is on the back burner just because of the games. But come September, I'm going to put a lot of energy into that as well. Challenge time. Pick a number between um, one and 35 and I will give you a random question from our, from our generator, basically. Well, it has to be my favourite number, which is 18. Oh, this is a good one for you. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? <laughs> oh, one thing about myself, what would it be? Okay, if I could change one thing about myself, but it was only temporary because I would like to go back, I would like to have one hand for a day, just so that I could do things like cut a steak, do a press up, um, swim with two hands to see what it would be like, ride a bike and, you know, break with both hands and not one. Um, all the things that you do with two hands that you don't realize you do, I'd like to do. But then I'd like to go back because I quite like having one hand. That is uh, a, a great answer. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much and good luck with everything. Brilliant. Thank you. Olympic Channel Podcast. Right. Just before we go, I want to recommend another episode we did with another paratriathlete called Melissa Stockwell of the USA. Here's a clip from that episode. I'm proud of being an amputee. I get to wake up every morning, I put my prosthetic leg on. And, you know, of course, there's challenges that come with wearing a prosthetic leg every day, but... You know, I you talk about the power of choice. I mean, I choose to, you know, not see the challenges and instead see how much truly better my life has been. I mean, I never would have been an Olympic athlete, you know, I but now I'm a Paralympic athlete. I never would have had all these incredible experiences and I never would have met my husband, which means I never would have had my incredible children. Like there are, I, I look back at the last 16 years after losing my leg and I had done more in my life with one leg than I ever would have done with two. Olympic Channel Podcast. I'll put a little link in the show notes for that one as well. That's it for now though. Stay safe, stronger together and we'll see you very soon. Think, Think like an Olympian. Olympian.